0: Hey everybody, welcome to a very special Street Fight Radio. Uh, This is something I do from time to time uh, when I'm not trying to do a TV show or a million other things. uh, You know, I really like to focus on what activists and people in the community and on the ground are actually doing. You know, the name Street Fight came from the idea of getting street-level news and understanding how, how the people on the streets with us, how they are understanding what's happening, uh, you know, it, with the people in power, um, with this current situations, uh, with the police protests and the increasing uh, violence from the state. So uh, I'm trying to get back in the habit and I'm getting rid of some of my duties so that I can talk to and highlight some people that are doing some great work and help help them spread their message and uh, get more street fighters to show them some love and support. So, today I have with me uh, Tommy Franklin uh, from Instagram as I know him. <laughs> yep. I uh, follow you and uh, I like your post and your art and I, I really appreciate the uh, amount of effort you put into things and you seem to be like always going crazy and, uh, <laughs> yeah you're doing everything you're a filmmaker podcaster uh most of all just a creator in general so uh welcome to the show everybody tommy franklin how's it going
1: yeah thanks thanks uh for having me uh big fan of street fight i uh i went to la uh damn it was only probably last march or april 2019 i went and visited a friend caught up with a friend and her name is Kendall Mayhew, and she runs uh, Ground Game LA. And uh, her and Bill, I met them in DC when I used to re- when I used to like community organize hardcore uh, a few years back, and and we've always kept in touch. And Kendall, we were just getting a burger, and we were just talking about podcasts, and she was like, "You got to li- these cats out of Ohio. You got to listen to them." And uh, I just downloaded it in my feed like, about almost a year and a half ago, and since then, man, I've been a big fan of what y'all. Talk about because I'm a big fan of unscre I, I mean I'm a big fan of like just uncensored, uh no limits on how long a podcast is and is it's you and maybe one other that if it goes two, three hours, I don't even care. Like I'm just gonna come back to it. Which I always think is funny because I have a podcast and um uh my podcast is called Weapon of Choice Podcast. It's Arts Meets Activism, so it's deep dive interviews with uh, artists with an eye towards social justice about uh three seasons plus bonus content and all that but anyway uh people when i first started was like man your episodes are like an hour and a half and i'm like so you know like yeah you think you're gonna convince me to make my shit an hour like i didn't you you i haven't you haven't crossed my mind until i saw a fucking dm from you so ain't shit gonna change here you know and it's yeah it's a wild west you know
0: I tell you what though, that's just, um, such a big part of doing art and being creative is that everybody on the outside has a criticism for you or thinks that they, that they'd be able to do it better. Um, and yeah, there's no reason to. There's no reason to say that, to, to comment on the length of the podcast. It's like, did you listen to it? Like, what about the content of it? Like, if yeah. you thought it ran long because it was boring or it sucked, say that. Don't just get mad about how long it is. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, Somebody, Brian had an early one, some guy from his high school that was like conservative, obviously seething with rage, um, but saw Brian get written up in the paper and was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm happy, Brian, that things are going well for you. But maybe don't say like so much. You sound like a high school girl. Okay. It's like okay, got it, dude. Like, which one of us got wrote up in the paper? Like (laughs) the the high school the high school girl method is working. So
1: I'm gonna run with that. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that flaw. If you know, Street Fight's got you know however many tens of thousands of listeners, and 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 Brian says like a bunch. I A I haven't even noticed that and B if he starts saying like twice as much and y'all keep doing the same exact thing you're doing I'm going to keep listening at the same rate it's, it's yeah it's insanity yeah.
0: And you know there is like with podcasting I think for us um there was a lot of people that wanted to compete with like NPR and BBC and all of these things that have to fit an advertising schedule. Like the TV and TV mm-hmm. and radio is made so that it can be broken up into chunks yep. and you can be sold shit. Yep. Uh, so for us, we wanted it to just be like a fucking standard transmission car, basically with roll down yes. windows is what street fight is. Yeah. Um, The more product, like we, we had to make it something that we could continue to do day after day. Right. And, Doing the easiest doing the easiest thing possible was the best solution. Just record ourselves talking. Don't edit it and just send it out
1: and see what happens. It's fucking hard. Even if you're just doing that, it's so even if you're only putting out one episode a month, it's so fucking hard. It's work. People don't realize that podcasting is work. If you're cause like, yeah, you're doing it your way, but you still Really, give a shit about it, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's like
0: people think you don't give a shit, and it's like you don't know how much time I spend just to look like I don't give a shit about this, you know <laughs> like it's it's a lot, yeah, uh,
1: it, 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 I think i i I'm probably perceived as an asshole plenty because when people tell me that type of you if you come at if you come with it doesn't even have to be like a negative critique, but just any form of feedback. A that's unsolicited, and B if your feedback is based on how you would do it versus you understanding my vision. Yeah, you know, there's, there's it's, it's night and day the type that yes. type type of feedback. If you understand my vision, I would take all the feedback, negative and positive, and in between. But if you're just saying I would do it like this, yo, you could be one of my best friends. I'm gonna tell you to your face, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, and I'm a, and it's insensitive probably of me. But like yo can we get to some like real conversation now you know
0: yeah it it just comes off of it's it's not helpful it's like whether you you're like putting your arm around my shoulder and saying hey i really want to be successful uh and versus just Lobbing critiques because you can and it's like i mean you got all this extra time to comment on other people's podcasts won't you just make your own you yeah. know there's nothing holding anybody back from doing it <laughs> yeah let's just do it just do it y'all it is except for the fifth episode like most podcasts don't make it past that fifth episode i feel like yeah like, but because most it's, people it's give up
1: fucking work man like yeah like you We started weapon of choice thinking, okay, we're gonna do this. We had our little outline, but then I saw this uh, political, bilingual, bisexual punk band from Rhode Island was coming to town, and and it's like it's it's like, look, let's just do this shit. We went to the damn rock club and we went back there and did it MTV green room style, you know. And then yeah, yeah, man, you know, it's it's fun, and like I'm pretty much trying to start one or two more podcasts like fuck it you know like i'm in my crib if i can't do it in my house and have a mobile setup with what capacity i have as a person who is trying to do other things and it just it just is what it is but man i just really appreciate street fight even like yesterday the woman called in and and was talking about the toxic masculine bullshit in the chats and and you know it's like Okay, y'all are like okay. We hear you, and to all the other dudes, like there's eight million gazillion other chat rooms to go be a dummy in, you know. But yeah, you know, it's like
0: yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, it's just it's like a lot of what we trying we're trying to do is uh, not really tell people how to live, but we've done a really good job of people reading between the lines and uh, helping each other out, and you know, being friendly and being there and trying to be better and we're getting people into activism. We're not saying you have to do that. If you listen to our show, but people are just inspired to do it after hearing all this stuff. And it's the same with like, I mean, if if you're mad and you want to say some fucked up joke about killing kids or something like I don't do that because I'm a father now, <laughs> but I was once 23 years old and it was the funniest thing in the world to me. And there's places to do that with your buddies where, no, you know, and then there's places where, you know, where Everyone else has to see what you're writing here. And, you know, if you find, if you keep finding out, if you keep finding yourself screaming at women, like, it's a you problem, right? It's not like, I get mad at both. I get mad at both, but you have to notice if there's a pattern in yourself you know because i i quarantine fucked me up pretty bad where like i was in the middle of the night getting angry at what people was writing and and making responses that i didn't believe but were just like mm-hmm. wanted wanted to just piss somebody off like just was you know one of those things this is a dysfunctional way of being but like you know a way to feel i get a reaction i have that bad kind of uh and I have that bad kind of drive into me to just sometimes like, well, I'll fucking make you feel bad. It'll make me feel better. You know?
1: <laughs> Yo, So Brett, man, the, the thing I've been thinking about lately is in the last few weeks or whatever, is as as every day some the world just crumbles more and more, you know, I, I, I just say, look, um, we're fucked. But if we have our work that we love, something we're passionate about that we're close to, and then we have our, our close people that we literally talk to every day, even if it's like 2 or 3 or 4. I just I just say to my close my closest friends that I talk to a lot, "Yo, this is like we can be pissed off if we want to be, we can be pissed off 100% of the time whenever we're ha- hanging out or talking." Now, we're going to go back and forth from being pissed off to joyful shit and fun shit and talking shit and and and, and you know, and being goofy, but If we're in our closest circles, it is like right now, it's just okay to be pissed the fuck off all the time. And when I'm talking closest circles, none of that involves the internet, right? The the other day, like I kind of have a rule for myself. If I don't know you personally, I will never respond to any of your comments. You know, like I I know everybody that is in my Facebook or, and especially Uh, in my Instagram, because that's private. But like, if I don't see you, I'm not responding to your comment. Your comments are welcome. And then like the other day... It's like, but then you got to be careful because you respond to someone you do see, but someone they know is responding, right? And yes. then I, I was like, I started going the other day because, like, you know, my friend was like, "What are sex like? What are sex workers?" You know, and um, and I just respond, and, and if someone responded, "They're hookers," and now I was like, "Yo, sex workers are sex workers." Yeah, and then it's just like do do do, and I like in the most polite way called someone ignorant. In the yeah. most polite way. And then I just had, when you have your close friends, I was able to just screenshot what I was doing. Yes. And I sent it to my friend that I talked to like five times a day and was like, tell me to stop because I don't see it getting any better. Yeah. And then, and then they were like, yeah, get off the internet, you know? That's great. Yeah. yeah I mean, you have like, I used, I used to always call it a referee.
0: Like I have <laughs> just a whistle that I blow inside my head That's just like... <laughs> what's going on like I'm yeah. so like worked up I'm pacing right now you know uh, like was mentioned in that call I wrote seven paragraphs why did I write seven paragraphs something's off like once <laughs> I get to that once I'm like in furthermore and I'm getting to five and six paragraphs I'm like you know what this is a me problem this is uh-huh. nothing to do with this person that was just making an innocuous comment online you know Uh going after family members and ignorant and stuff though uh, I have taken that up a lot more I've tried to with the the resurgence of all the black lives matter protesting that yeah. happened over the summer yeah i've had a lot of my lib friends from elementary school get more activated in post. So I'm doing, I'm trying to be sly. Like I'll post about formula one racing. Like I'm excited about race weekend. And then I'll just go in all in on America. Like if we just have to get rid of it and it's, it's rotten from the ground up and then I'll put a kid picture up and then I'll put like a rock and roll. And I'm just trying to sneak all that stuff in there and be more active, but yeah. inviting yeah. and letting more people know where I stand, uh, you know, is, what i'm doing but also also at the same time avoiding sp- ruining my whole fucking day arguing with some a friend of a friend that's not even going to give me any sort of uh uh i don't know any slack you know on what i'm saying
1: yeah and it's i think a big part of like because you know if you're like challenging family members or close people you just know will be in your life for a long time yeah it's like I th- i think it's kind of about Evaluating your your own personal evolution when it comes to any issue. So, if like um, some of our, let's just say we're taking, we're taking, you know, we're talking about sexism. And um, obviously, like supporting a a cause, like a feminist cause, it doesn't impress women. Like, newsflash for us liberals or whatever, just supporting it doesn't impress them. It's like, if we're supporting it on in forums or online spaces, or in conversations where obviously the people in the conversation, hundred percent of them are supporting this thing, then that's not impressing these the uh, films and women et cetera. Um, it's like where are we speaking out in support for it in the toxic spaces, right? But like we have to be able to uh, assess what our own personal evolution is before we know that that's the right thing to do. Than just jump out. So if I, if we're our, if we're still operating in, as our twenty three year old selves, and then we know that we should call out sexism in any given moment with our buddies who are all now in our thirties, it's better to say where have I evolved so that when I call this cat out, I have enough foundation to not retreat. Number one from yep. the argument, and then number two to like feel good. Mm-hmm feel good that I'm doing the right thing in terms of uh, you know, that's the thing we're dealing with right now with uh, all the support from corporations and, and frankly uh, activists and organizers who are uh, getting a shitload of credit, be it it a corporation or any nonprofit for pledging, 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 pledging uh, until the miles are dry about they support black lives, yada, yada, yada. But then when like, all these incremental challenges present themselves daily as they do under a Trump presidency on down to locally. A lot of folks don't hold the line and we can't hold the line if we haven't examined what where, what evolution we're at. So if my evolution isn't quite at holding the line yet, fine, then step back and keep working on that path towards getting to a more supreme evolution on any given topic so that when it's time to hold the line, you actually can fucking hold the line. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean?
0: no you're absolutely right and i the sex worker thing is something that I've been strengthening my I've been doing my research and listening to podcasts because there's been a real uptick in this like uh child sex slavery thing and the the human trafficking and wayfair yeah and that um, shit. it's it's and but I'm seeing more and more people getting swept up in it and uh it's all based off of this really fake conservative christian like pearl clutching attitude mm-hmm. about women as objects that need to be saved mm-hmm. you know and that you know it's always somebody from the outside they don't acknowledge family members they don't acknowledge you know uh the people that are at risk most at risk trans and queer youth and stuff because of those christian values families and stuff that kick them out and yeah 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 we don't they, there's not there we like, it's, it's just one of those things where people are posting about it now to say, I'd kill a pedophile. And it's like, all right, dude, well, how about you go and advocate to decriminalize sex work? Because if everybody can do sex work, the only ones hiding it are going to be the ones we need to catch. You know, like there's, there's practical things to be doing when it's really, it's just this macho, bullshit about how you would you would murder an evil person which is not necessary and not relevant and like you said doesn't have any foundation to say like well have you looked into any uh Human uh, trafficking organizations in your area. Have you uh, examined, <laughs> yeah. you know, sex work advocacy stuff like that? That 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 holds him. And Brian has a good one for when you're hanging out with your buddies because this is like just the most inconsequential. He just cocks his head to the side and goes, eh. Like if someone says something like, "Women are," you know, or "Black people," he's going, eh. <laughs> and, then, and they're like. What? Yeah. What? And then that's enough to be like, I don't know. I guess I just don't see it like this or that. And you can kind of take them down. You can take their hand and walk them down the road. Yeah. You know,
1: and to see where it's at. Yeah. Um, Simplifying is cool, man. Like, oh, what local organization do you know about? Even if I don't, I'm like, oh, me neither. Let's let's Google that shit right now. Yeah. You know? yeah. and then and then they'll be like. Nah, 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 nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, all right, let's, let's figure out how we can help. Yeah, oh, that's a great okay, idea. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm gonna walk away now because I'm gonna go Google this shit. And you does not look like you're interested. So, yeah. So,
0: uh, so uh, let's let's get into it. Cause I feel like we've talked about street fight way too much. <laughs> um,
1: how, how is your podcast? Uh, how long has it been going? On? Yeah, uh, I think this will be going September will be three years, and okay. I think we're three. So we do uh long form uncensored interviews. With artists we love uh, locally, nationally, I mean, uh, sometimes internationally of, you know, just artists who are doing things to like, you know, weapon of choice, they use their art as a weapon against injustice in the world. And it was inspired by Gordon Parks, who's my personal hero, who was, I would argue, the first black renaissance man, who, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you know, composed music, played professional basketball, renowned for first... First black photographer for at the time Life magazine, but Time magazine, and went on to direct films and wrote poetry. You name it, right? And you know he's always been my hero since I was like eight years old. He, his autobiography, A Choice of Weapons, was the first like non children's book I read as a kid, and uh, so that inspired me to. Um, I, I had I had recently stopped organizing as a career as a professional job. And I was just like, fuck, I don't know, do I try to make art? Because, you know, as a filmmaker, independent filmmaker, especially in the Midwest, good luck finding any money to do that. And, I, you know, so I, you know, odd jobs, like bartend, do whatever. And I just had some time. And my, my producing partner, Andrew, he had time to kind of get this going. He was unemployed also at the time. So we just started it. And it was like, Minnesota is rich. The Twin Cities per capita is very rich for theater, arts, music, you name it. Oh, yeah. And like having uh, worked in community organizing, you would just cross paths with so many artists. And so I just wanted to start there. But yeah, um, uh, Downtown Boys, the punk band in, in Providence, Rhode Island, they were just happened to be in town on a Friday, even though I wanted to do my first interview th- a week later. And I was like, I just hit them up like, yo, I'm, these motherfuckers said yes to me, and I hadn't even recorded an episode yet. Wow. And that was our first episode in the green room with Downtown Boys. So they're so fucking dope. And then from then on, it, you know, interviewed dancers, writers, poets, painters, you name it. Um, But I was, it was crazy. Like the show got, you know, we get support locally and we have our little $100 a month Patreon we're getting, which has helped us like book tickets to go interview people in New York and LA or whatever in Chicago. And um, it was crazy uh, because Pussy Riot. Uh, about a year and a half ago or whatever, was making their first U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a sold-out show in here in the Twin Cities. And like three hours before the show, I got an email from them like, yo, I heard you got a podcast. You want to interview us on stage before our performance? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that shit was just mind-boggling. And of course, I said yes and dropped everything I was doing, went down to the venue and we fucking uh got I got on stage and interviewed Nadia before the show and she just so like just so awesome like talk about whatever you want to talk about that's happening locally kind of like what you're doing here and and then it and then uh, they were they were doing a, a fundraiser, but it was like covert because you know it's Russia. You gotta do shit under the you know underground, and so she couldn't like shout out any websites to to donate to or anything like that. And so while they were uh, back getting ready for their performance, I just passed the box around the whole crowd, and people just donated a shitload of money. And I went downstairs in like the back 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 room of the green room and counted. Oh, it was. A, it ended up being a job. I counted way too many one dollar bills, <laughs> and then I just and then uh, I hid it in her backpack. She didn't even know, and uh, and then like later on that night, she was like, "What the fuck, Tommy?" And I was like, "Oh, that's for your, that's for your, uh, your your new website you're gonna launch or whatever." Oh man! But but the cool thing was, she uh, came back at me and handed me a, handed me a check. And I was like, what the fuck is this? She was like, you're on the bill. You open for me, so you get paid. I was like, damn. Damn, that's dope. I was like, it was just a surreal moment. And then their second tour, they came to town um, later that summer for the Eau Claire Festival. Boney Iver has this huge festival. Mm-hmm. And they were. she was like, yo, I'm coming to town. Can you just like, you know, can you can you kick it with us? You're the only person we know. So we kicked it. We took the road trip uh, about two hours to Wisconsin. And we fucking road trip with the band. This shit was just surreal. Cause like, I'm not, I don't know anything about that life of being music, let alone like any version of a rock star. So then you're just in the fucking woods in Wisconsin and Bon Iver, he's, he's got money now, right? Oh so, yeah. So you're eating fucking, you're eating fucking oysters and caviar in the woods and you're in the trailers of the bands and shit. And like Vans gives you like 40 pairs of shoes. You're like, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is this? But uh, I just, you know, I just talk about it excitedly because Pussy Riot, there, there's some dope. I mean, Nadia in particular, she's a one dope ass human being. Yeah, and that's then the great. show, that's and then amazing. amazing. Yeah, we've had, we've gotten a few. Uh, like
0: Taco Cat uh, gave us uh, free tickets to their show. No shit. And then uh, the the. Uh, the the guitarist eric uh is such a nerd that he said he's like who likes street fight radio and no one in the crowd knew it, said anything mm. and then the rest of the band were like oh no he's talking about that podcast he loves and it was ah. fucking, i was dying laughing it was hilarious <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's what's up yeah man it's been cool and you know i like i prefer to sit down interviews so obviously season 3 essentially is by default coming to an end but I did start a live Instagram series called Artists Coping in COVID, where I just, uh-huh. uh, it's just called 15 Good Minutes so that we don't take up too much of our virtual time because we're being sure. so boxed in by virtual reality now. And uh, so I've got probably 13 episodes on the I- Instagram Live for Weapon of Choice, and I'm slowly releasing them when, Like when I'm not too lazy. I probably release like five into the overall feed Um and that's been good cuz artists have been talking about how they either are creating or not creating at all during this pandemic because a lot of artists are I mean we you know we're here in Minneapolis and obviously these uh these these protests have are just so global and all around the country that uh, a lot of us are just kind of in that and I had to be careful not to get sucked back into like doing that even if not professionally just like with my time like um, I'm out here in the you know the obviously watching the third precinct burn down and being twenty feet away was the most glorious fucking most yeah. beautiful movie you'll ever watch live, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if, for those that don't know, I didn't mention it. We can, we can go into it a little bit now or go into it now, but, uh, yeah, you're in, uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, and I followed along with and still follow along your, your reporting out of there. Um, so, uh, what, what was your professional organizing before this? Just to fill in the backstory.
1: Yeah. So primarily I organized, organized around, um, Criminal justice, right? So, uh, I'm formerly incarcerated. I spent a few years in prison, five different prisons, as hell, any version of it, and yeah. uh, and then I got out, and um, you know, with a record, you you know, it took me almost twelve years to finally sign a lease after getting out of prison. I couldn't get jobs. Uh, you know, I couldn't vote. It was funny. I I found one job, you know, and I'm I'm fucking I'm in work release. At the latter, at the tail end of my sentence and i'm going out pounding the pavement like as they told you to do putting in all the applications wearing my fucking tie and whatever and it's like yo this this shit's not working and and it's like i'm putting in 30 applications a day and i i can't even get a job at fucking quiznos you know right and it's like okay what the fuck and then i'm like dummy you know or you know not to be negative but like i was telling myself like Yo, you're in work release, so people are in here are working. Just and they're all they all have felonies, so just find someone and and get a job where someone else in work release is working. So I did that, but I mean, even when you get a job, you know, the odds of it being a decent job are next to nothing. So I yeah, work. I work in. You don't want to. I mean, they also
0: hold it over your head. I mean, oh yeah, they,
1: y'all talk about that all the time with terrible managers and shit like that. Yeah, and it's like so. I worked at a like basically a microprocessing or you know where you're dealing with chemicals and you're making microchips and then you're at the end of the day you're making parts for fucking missiles and war war fucking contracts and shit like that. And the more I learned about the more I learned about that. I lasted 4 years but no, I got a record so I'm like no one else is going to hire me. So you're enduring the bullshit. I was the only black person that worked there. 100% 99.9% of the people there were Republicans. And not that there weren't some good people, so to speak, there, but I mean, I remember, okay, so this is all leading to why I started organizing for criminal justice. But like in 2008, uh for first year I got out of prison, four months on the job or whatever, uh, election night, Tuesday night, Obama wins. Um And in this plant, it's like 100 departments. Everybody in every department has to communicate your entire shift for things to get get done right. Obama wins that night. I'm working second shift, so the the results come in around 10 p.m. or whatever, and I get off at like 11.30 or whatever, and the results come in, Obama wins, and these same people I talk to every day in all these different departments didn't talk to me for like three weeks. One dude came around who's like basically the only hippie in the whole plant. Was like, yo, man, watch your back. Be careful. Wow. That it, is at my job, right? Yeah, that's awful. And that's my first year on the job. I didn't quit till like November 2012. Whoa. That oh wow. And so here's the worst thing though, like people assumed okay. I voted for Obama, not even realizing that I don't even have the right to vote because I was on probation. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're so, right. Like, that's sad. Yeah, just people's I mean... like lens of like what real life actually is for any working class person. Who might have, you know, situ- you know, challenging situations or barriers, they just jump straight to he's black, he's a Democrat, uh, and they get war contracts, right? So right. it's like, not that Obama doesn't do that, but it's like right. uh I remember in 2012 now, re-election, this is when my soul was like being depleted, and I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and November right. Obama's re-election, like days before the election, our GM in a company meeting, our general manager is like, Yeah, we got these contracts working on, we got these potential, and so I'm not gonna name names because you know. But he's like, So as long as you don't know, vote for as long as you don't vote for Obama, we'll get all these new contracts. I'm like, you can't fucking say that in a meeting? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And and after that, I was like, okay, my soul is That's... going to all the way die Yeah, if I don't get the fuck out. So then I'm going to really go fast now. I moved overseas three separate times on three one-way tickets and had more jobs and more apartments and more money than I've ever had in this country as an immigrant in other countries, including a village in Africa. Really? And because all all they wanted over there was my character. They didn't give a fuck about a resume, a college degree. So I was over there bartending in a nightclub in Norway. I was coaching basketball in France and Norway. Doing shit in Tanzania, it's like every time I would come home to the States, I uh, not only felt dead inside, I felt like there was no hope, and I, um, I, I just hated it, right? I, I would get depressed, yeah. and I, I'm like, I don't it's even fine. really end up on the lowest spectrum of any kind of depression, but when I would come home, I'd be like that, so then I finally found this gig. I was actually in France, and someone sent me this organizing gig for criminal justice back home here. And and I applied for it, and I was like, look, if you're serious, I'll fly home for this job. And I did, and then I did that for a while, and it was great, and we did some amazing stuff, and there's still a lot of roadblocks in the nonprofit sector, and it just wasn't necessarily my bag of weed, even though there were some beautiful relationships and beautiful actions and beautiful, uh, beautiful incremental change that came from some of the work I did. I just needed to find something that was closer to my what my soul desires most, which is art. So then I just made those transitions and uh, have to just you know climb that mountain the way it best suits my individual uh, path toward you know evolving as a, as as an individual, but also the ways I want to evolve in community and be with community. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's incredible. I uh, I you said like a million different things in there yeah. that I have questions about. <laughs> uh but uh no, I I mean the that makes sense, and I, I mean, I I want to know what about like, uh, is, is there a level of guilt that you think comes from trying to make art? Uh, I, I think I sometimes view our show when we're doing like twenty five minutes on like mowing the lawn yeah. or like taking a shower, and it just feels like you know people are getting black bagged in Portland right
1: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, you know, the content of the show isn't necessarily all that there is to it because it is also providing relief leave- relief to the people that are in the ground in Portland. Right. You know, it's a place for them to laugh about shit instead of thinking about demise, you know, and art is something that is very undervalued uh, in this country. And uh, I, I, I coming from a blue collar household uh, I never felt that artist was something I could actually really do. Uh, it requires a lot of money or like, you know, I mean, I didn't make money for six years. I was a stay at home dad. That's, that's how I was able to do most of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but at the same time, there's a level of selfishness or there's times where I'm just like angry in the middle of the night and I want to do more help. And it's like, you know, I feel like I'm just being a clown sometimes. And so I wonder yeah, yeah how that, how it affects your fe- like making the transition to doing art, moving away from something so concretely right. attacking the system into something th- that's more creative or inspirational. Yeah. How is that transition?
1: I think, uh, I mean, hopefully this makes any guilt you feel, uh, it helps go away. Just even the tiniest, like I feel zero guilt, man. Um, <laughs> And now I the reason I can say zero is because of the work I've done in the last however many years to just deeply get to know myself and spend enough time in solitude to you know have the space to really explore like who I really am and want to be. And that's a daily path I'm walking down. But 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 even when I was organizing for a nonprofit, um my number one challenge in most meetings was where can we infuse art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, into this, and it was all it would always be put, be put to the wayside, not specifically by my organization, but just by most organizations. And in the appreciations, like, uh, there was a study that United States artists did a couple years back, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it was like you know, eighty-seven percent of people appreciate art, but only like thirteen percent of people appreciate the artist who makes the art. You know, and yeah. like, art is a fucking cornerstone of this shit. These movements, every single issue, um, I look at these cornerstones as these four things, right? It's it, it, it's protests, behind the scenes organizing, right? That's like a corner. Um, you know, you lump in all the activism there. And then you have politics, right? That's part of it, right? And you have just hard conversations and living your truth. That's just a corner of itself. Hard conversations, living your truth. That is yeah. a cornerstone of being healthily, you know, being healthy while in the movement, right? Um, even though that's challenging. And then the fourth is art, man. Like you I, I you know, I was like, damn, you know, I'm putting I'm in post production. I got a movie called White Tears that's in post production, that a short film that I made last fall. And like everybody's asking for it now because of the innumerable amount of white tears caught on tape in the last three months right Mm -hmm. or since george floyd even and it's like yo the plan was to put it out when i put it out and white tears ain't gonna stop but this movie is to like shine a light on how fucked up white tears are toward Mm -hmm. uh marginalized individuals of, of any kind and at this so it's like it all you know and i'm currently making a documentary and people are like Oh, are you gonna like do something having to do with the pandemic for your documentary? I'm like, if your like vision is clear of like what you want to make creatively, you gotta remember it's just one project, and the themes in the project. If you care about connecting these issues, these intersections of uh, social justice issues, if your vision was clear to begin with, you kind of don't have to adjust for the pandemic. These issues will still, I mean, the the, the creation, the projects will still highlight the issues that have been like volcanic, obviously, yeah. but like, they've always been there. And, and so, and then my next film that the, the last short film I want to make, cause I'm like busy with some really good projects right now is, is about, um, it's about an, uh, an overworked and underpaid uh, labor society here. And I wrote it like a year, a couple of years ago. And I was like, I'll try to make that maybe in a couple of years and I and I started fundraising for it like literally a few days ago. And I had to ask myself, like, do I feel guilty for there's like literally eight gazillion mutual aid funds worth giving any amount of money you have to? And yes, we do that. But that is to 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 say don't fundraise for a, a, a film or an art project that does talk about these issues because it's art, is fu- it's like quite disrespectful to be for us to you know as a society to be operating in a way which makes artists feel guilty, you know what I mean? Yeah, now,
0: yeah, and, and it's know. something that so obviously everybody loves. I mean, it, whether it's visuals, it's music, it's, it's color palettes, out. it's design, design, it's flowers, it's it's absolutely the only, <laughs> the most enjoyable part of life is the artistic parts for the most part, sure. Uh, and, and, and uh, and uh, also, I think that the art for me. Uh, when the protests happened here in Columbus um, and, you know, all of the scares of riots and looting and all this stuff came out, a lot of businesses downtown boarded up. Yep. And it was all of the art people that swooped in during the day and made it all beautiful. And it was amazing going through the city. But it, I think it's also... A way to make the message direct like that we're doing something we're creating here we're not destroying you know this is we're going to create a new better world uh and we you know there's beauty in this new world it's not you know us coming to kill everybody or whatever the fox news is telling them
1: yeah and i had to catch myself even when um you know it's like understandably people criticize these big street murals that say black lives matter right I understand that. I was pretty much on that side. Like that's whatever. That's all platitudes and shit. But (coughs) excuse me, there's the corporate platitudes and then there's the art platitudes. And yes, these, these cities, these mayors are the ones commissioning these street black lives matter murals on these, on these, you know, from these aerial views. But it's like, well, well, if we care about these issues in these other concrete ways, where we know the work must be done, where we recognize and understand where the work must really be done, then why the fuck are we getting pissed off about a street mural? Yeah, like we know we know it needs to be done, and like that at the end of the day, it's the people most invested in 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 our freedoms and liberation in any way that they can participate. Shh, really, how do we have the energy to be pissed off about that? Because um, I almost became like annoyed by it, but then I was like. It's fine. Like, whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. Focus on the other stuff. That's a
0: distraction, you know? That's definitely a distraction. So, uh, being in Minneapolis, uh, I mean, like you said, you saw the police station burn. Oh, my God, yo. And-
1: Yo, I I got a private show from Prince, and this is up there. Watching, (laughs) Watching, (laughs) like, watching that shit burn. Yeah. Before it even burned, watching- These motherfuckers on the roof been shooting at us for two, three days, and- so they have the vantage point, obviously you're trying to yeah. snipe us with tear gas and shit High ground. And, and rubber bullets and to watch mother like it's mostly young people like people under twenty eight they're just flinging bottles and everything all the way up onto the roof at these people in armor and they finally fucking retreat I mean it was that shit like I left you know. I ended up leaving like, yo, I got kids. It's getting yes. real fucking, like, it was dicey every night, but that night was particularly dicey. And, like, buildings are exploding behind you and shit, like, going up in flames. So I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So, bef- like, probably 20 minutes before the precinct burnt down, I walked some friends back to their car, and then I made my way back to my car. And my car was probably three blocks away from the the, the epicenter. And I got on the phone with my buddy in Arizona just shooting the shit a little bit, kind of like letting my adrenaline come down because we were out there with I had the gas mask. We were setting up barricades. Shit was crazy. And my adrenaline's coming down. I get on the phone with my buddy, just have a calm conversation. About uh, 15 minutes after I hung up with my buddy, I looked up and I was back at the precinct. Like my feet just carried me there and I didn't even realize it. And I was there to watch this fucking movie that was the shit burning. And let me tell you, man... It was these youth that they were pushing us back like in fucking war. They would push us back. They would flank us or whatever the fucking terminology is. And these youth did not give a fuck. Cause like the, some of us more grown folks was like, oh shit, it's time to go. Like we yeah. had, oh shit, it's time to go. We said that to ourselves countless times. And then every time we would say, oh shit, it's time to go, you'd watch these youth just push their way back. And it was like, God. Like, these motherfuckers don't know what they're doing, but they are holding this shit down. Yeah,
0: I, I, that's, uh, I went to, uh, just a get-together basically they took over the intersection brought in high downtown and i get down there it was literally just cars parked in a circle people were just listening to music super loud drinking and shit Mm. uh smoking and uh the police showed up and i'm like all right well they're about to get stomped out (laughs) you know let me just get out of here And they fucking charged them and they pushed them back. Like they they had them on their asses, like scared. They th- really thought that everybody was just gonna to uh to run away, but they used their cars as fucking barricades. Yeah. Like they they had their license plates off their fucking vehicles and just left them there in the way. It was unbelievable. And I felt I, I think I got caught up the the first couple nights of protesting because i saw that same rage and that willingness to fight and uh i i trusted those kids so much i they had so much passion and love in their hearts and they were so mad and i I felt like I, I don't, I was felt like this is the time. This is, you know, this is the time to, to really push back and go after this. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about foundations and evolutions. Uh, Columbus is not a real radical city. You know, uh, we had to get the mayor to take our fucking statues down, like no one. Could get a couple dozen people together to just take care of that. Yeah, what,
1: what was it? Uh ninety thousand dollars? Ninety
0: thousand. Oh, I mean, I wish I would have got that contract, man. <laughs> uh, so, but like now there is like so. Portland is a radical place. When we do shows out there. It was already people that were deep in like WTO protesting back in two thousand came to our shows, and Eugene is fucking wild. So Damn. they have been able to escalate you know and but now columbus is getting more of foundation we have you know we have a chat that's going between different you know the bike riders and the moped people and the medics and the supply stations there is now like a coordinated real underground kind of network the kind of stuff that was in the movie hackers and shit yeah. like it's kind of it's columbus is like setting up the infrastructure for some of these back channels and i then you know, inevitably, when we do this again, uh, it's gonna happen again. And because they have, they're not changing it, mm. uh, unfortunately. And, and I, it's just gonna go up. It's gonna, the tactics will increase. People are gonna look at these, these riot shields that
1: they're building in Portland right now and bring those next time, you know? Yeah, the, the foundations need to definitely build in so many cities. I mean, I mean, obviously, like, this shit sparked with the George Floyd shit here. But I mean, you know, protests here, you know there's there's one off protests just about every day still but i mean like we weren't you know we weren't we weren't fucking oakland or portland or new york or anything close to that in terms of oh, yeah. in terms of the, the the just the steadfast nature of the daily numbers yeah. um which it was which is in some ways disheartening but also let's try to always have uh some his- historical introspection um that we, you know, ab- about like what the history of protesting in just Minneapolis is. So, you know, there's plenty to, to critique and be like frustrated with, but also, you know, then that's just kind of like saying, well, we, we are not, we're not read up on the history of our city. And so like, you know, even as a country, we're just so deluded about our country's place in the world. You know, histor- historical introspection is a luxury for us yeah. because like, intellectual and class powers are so committed to the institutional orthodoxies, right? It's very difficult for us to engage in this collective introspection that's necessary. And that's why the younger generations have been so inspiring to me to be out there to witness it on the front lines with them, because hopefully they can lead us down a path that truly breaks away from these centuries long cycles of institutional injustices. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of hope there. Cause I mean, yeah, we can, we could go on for like three hours about the bullshit we witnessed and the performative bullshit. Um, but we're going to do that in our private lives with our closest friends anyway.
0: You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, Blake don't crack said that like at a certain point going out there and getting arrested is just feeding like a corrupt system. Like there's, if they're, when they just start grabbing people up and arresting hundreds of them, you know, we need to come up with a better strategy than that, you know, yeah. and, uh, it requires more, uh, behind the scenes organizing. It requires doing things besides protesting to help get the network and backbone and make sure that you can do solid actions that make a real impact you know when it comes to city council meetings and stuff like that you know we've had groups here we had a there's a famous picture in columbus of a, of a people's justice project uh this young lady jumped up on the city council desk mm. and like was took it over and got dragged out but it was mm-hmm. very successful action where they were able to get they were able to take over the whole crowd, get one of their people up there, and do something effective. Uh, and that can be done. That doesn't require thousands of people showing up. You know, you can do that with a yeah. much smaller thing. Yeah, I remember. And, go ahead. And no, and knowing like like you said, the political side, uh, knowing the laws or knowing uh, the candidates or the things that needs that the the city needs to be aware of to that needs to be changed. You know.
1: Yeah, they, we um we 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 get a lot of recognition. Um, for people who know about having the most progressive, in Mi- the Minneapolis City Council, for being the most progressive city council in the country. And it's like fucking bullshit, you know? Like, you, <laughs> So there's this, you know, the city council, you know, overwhelmingly p- pledged and had a little pep rally in the park to defund the Minneapolis Police Department, blah, blah, blah. And shit's still getting held up. But, like, they made this pledge, like, three months after they increased the police budget here by, like, eight or 12 million or some shit but even that meeting to increase the police budget um, which is a public hearing so we showed up you know all these organizations activists community showed up and even in that hearing they in the little room that seats like m- maybe a hundred people they had a uh, reserve seating for officials you know like for not the people right and obviously we ripped every fucking sign off and say, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Yeah, But yeah. it's like, look, I, you can catch me in private, but I'll say it publicly. Our fucking mayor's a piece of shit, always been a piece of shit. Our governor's a piece of shit. Our lieutenant governor's a piece of shit. And yeah, like I said, we're not going to spend three hours on me telling you why I think they are, Um, you know, because a lot of people will, you know, it's Minnesota. Minnesota's a very passive aggressive state, right? Yeah where it's like a so-called blue state. They barely, Hillary barely won this state in uh, 2016. And so it's a lot of like, so much credit given to like Democrats and and uh, li- liberal politicians here for doing the bare minimum. And it's like, yo. And then these politicians accept that praise. And so they, they continue to fucking do bare minimum shit. And I'm sorry, but many of us have lived a, uh, 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 an oppressed life to know that 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 fucking uh, resting on your bare minimum laurels it makes you, in my eyes, a piece of shit. I don't care. Like there's seven billion people, I don't choose to call that many people a piece of shit, so whoever I happen to choose to call a piece of shit, you're fucking a piece of shit, all right, if you're not doing enough, or if you're not even like trying to fail, if you're not willing to fail doing way too much, you know? Right. And so this city is tricky because we're globally getting seen, they, oh, like my friends in New York, y'all, y'all really set that shit off, I'm like, yeah, but like look at, Portland has been going for 60 something days now, Yeah, that was before George Floyd. Yeah, they...
0: Uh, oh, fuck. I just forgot what I was going <laughs>
1: but, but you know, to say. But you. they they protest in Portland. Oh, I got They're, you. they're not just protesting fucking right-wing bullshit. They're protesting uh, liberal bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, uh, there's this book, and I'm excited to read it. It's called Imperial Reckoning, The Untold Story of Britain's Gulag in Kenya. Right? So, in Kenya... Okay. I mean, you know, I haven't read the book yet, but essentially, like, Kenyan freedom fighters... Um, would like, they would go fuck up uh, so-called liberal activists who were still kind of working with the British. So like that version here is like white, patriarchal nonprofit structures, right? Yeah. Where like five black people can maybe have a salary and the rest of us are left for dead in terms of trying to have any type of sustenance working in the field of organizing, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's just interesting, you know? Columbus, well, Columbus, I think this is,
0: Minneapolis was a great way to highlight it because it sounds like you're talking about Columbus right now. Um, everybody just thinks that, like, you know, the the cities are blue and everybody in red is just hicks uh and we are very cosmopolitan and we have expensive ice cream and bone broth and all that goofy <laughs> shit and we have a mayor and we have a bike we had a we had a black mayor that was uh very much into biking and all of that but our police force is fucking wild like our police force right um had a, an agent that was trapping sex workers and raping them and then the the, the one that fought back he killed her uh and so and that wasn't like a community conversation and and uh, no like you said they're mostly just saying hey this is a pretty this is a pretty progressive place columbus we have a we have a huge gay district you know we have a gigantic uh pride pride parade and all of this these these uh all of these uh, drag queen storytellings at the library. And and those are the type of things that I love and I think are the spice of life, Mm -hmm. of course, but it's, it's not actively trying to stop the gentrification and the oppression of the black neighborhoods. It's not trying Mm -hmm. to fix the police problem. It's not working or serving the community. It's uh, figuring out how developers want to make more money in the next five to 10 years,
1: you know, and, and put uh, a smiley face and a bow on it. I mean, you look at orgs who've been doing it for decades. Yes, there's newer orgs and younger energy, and uh, for all the right reasons, more LGBTQ energy. Um, uh, not you know LGBTQ folks doing this work, uh, spearheading a lot of this work, leading on a lot of this work. That is all very welcome energy. And at the same time, and they're you know they're getting funded. And at the same time, a lot of folks have been on the ground forever in the blackest neighborhoods. Um, are struggling to get a cent and yeah. it's like yo if it's not going to be the government and I, you know this is clearly a mutual aid revolution oh yes uh, so it's like it how it's like not a no-brainer for certain people with power to just divert funds to um organization like felicia perry in the north side of minneapolis north side of minneapolis is like one of the black last black ungentrified hoods in the country you uh-huh. know and it's it's you know, there's there's developers sitting on a shitload of land waiting for like a light rail to be built through it that won't sell to black entrepreneurs. You know, there's a whole fucking debacle there, but that city's complicit. And yeah. um, but man, Minnesota is only uh, Minneapolis is only eighteen percent black, and Minnesota is only seven percent black. And so, <laughs> but I mean, if you look at the I don't shit know that where we're at. If you look at the honest. shit that popped off lately, I mean, we've got the biggest Somali population, our Hmong population. We got, you know, we have got a very diverse city, so to speak. Well, at the same time, we're like half a million people in the nu- in the main city, right? Yeah, you know,
0: and and, and it's uh, I I don't. It's really surprising to me um, the way that it, it gets ignored. Um, I I you know I my daughter goes to columbus public schools Mm -hmm. but it's a lottery school uh which means you have to have a parent that takes an extra step to try to get you into the school Mm -hmm. which means a lot of it are the more well-to-do families uh in town not all of them but i am surrounded by these kind of do-gooder liberal parents um that are are you know think they're doing enough and don't have anything to say about the parts of Columbus they never go to, you know, or that they ignore, you know, there's, there's parts of this city uh, that are completely ignored. And it is like literally on the other side of the train tracks, there's people in $300,000 houses. And then you cross over the train tracks and the houses are all 70 to $80,000 and the people there can't even, you know, afford to, to buy them, you know, it's slum lords and shit and, yeah. or old families. And um, I don't know. I mean, what I- like where is uh where is your head at to to really to make all of this work? Like I <laughs> I I don't I know that's an impossible question, but I just want to I, I I enjoy your brain and I just want to hear you take a stab at it. Really? Um, you know uh what like what needs to happen? I, I mean I I do think there needs to be a reckoning in this country over slavery and mm-hmm. uh you know what. And the black population, how we've treated them, and where we're at, and there needs to be a real reckoning. I don't see our government doing that, but mm. uh, that is still something that I think has to happen. You know?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a lot of people. I mean, I don't know how the fuck we're gonna get reparations in the next hundred years. You know? So other versions of that, because reparations at the end of the day means repair, right? So we don't yes. always have to like we don't always have to look at it from the way that the 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 the, the, the word has been trendized or whatever the fuck you know yeah and it's like i mean i can again i can speak as an artist like art being a cornerstone of any movement or it's not recognized that way but it's just a fact um like we jump through eight gazillion hoops to get artist grants we're the we're, we have the most abundant arts uh arts funding in the country per capita here and again it's just it's just like crabs in a barrel, um, jumping through 6 million hoops to get grants for like, they're like, you know, prove that you can do this work. And they're like, there's all the proof we've already made this shit. Like, just look at our yeah. fucking websites, you know? Literally, it should be as simple as looking at our websites and just and just giving us money. And that's, yeah. to, to me, that's not, even if it doesn't like fall along the lines of certain people's definitions of reparations, it's like, we're going to make... We're going to build uh, a tower of that cornerstone of art to the sky if you just get the fuck out of our way and let us. Yeah. And you don't even got to do it as a lifelong contract. You can do it once for every artist, and they'll have a chance to build a career uh, where they're working in networks and have access. It's about access, right? Have access yeah. to networks that know where the money is. Like, I'm in my first fellowship where I'm getting access... You know, in my documentary fellowship in Chicago, I'm getting access to people in the industry where I'm in there like, oh, my God, this is what it feels. I'm in there with these experts. They're teaching. They're giving me this game. I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like to be the one percent. Like I'm getting information that like, thankfully, I can go share it now. But like I'm getting information like, oh, this is what it's like to be the one percent. Knowing you're in a room with like 10 people only. And you're the only people who know this, who have right. access to what's on paper, right? It's yeah. just like, yo, man, we just need more than and you're asking me, like, how do I like, you know, you know, look, how do I balance cynicism? I hope that's the question I ask all my guests, right? Because yeah. it's such an open-ended, beautiful question, beautiful answers. But like lately, I've just been texting, look, like I texted my friend today, and this is essentially what what I've been texting a lot of friends in the last few days, like. Uh, this particular friend, I said, uh, Erica, we're pretty much fucked as a human race. There's not much getting around it except for continuing to stay passionate about the things we're deep into and continuing to go inward and keep honoring our imagination in work and personal life. Literally, yeah. like, right now, that's kind of all I got. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm saying I'm, at this point, I think I'm just grateful I get to see it. I mean, I think it's fucked up.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's fucked up world. It's hard to live with and easy to beat you down. Um, but when Michael Brooks died, uh Jamie mm. Peck said something. She said, I'll see you on the fun side. Mm. And uh, not to not to not to glorify it or anything. Um, but if this is hell, if this, you know, dealing with like the insurmountable task of making this an equal world and this understanding the suffering, all of that, like eventually it'll be gone and that'll and that'll be fine. <laughs> like I think I'll get it all that's when I'll finally get a, to some rest, you know? Uh. And uh, you know, through the course of history, things have moved very far, and, uh, we're just a piece of a blob that gets to witness it for a little bit so uh, there's a lot to but there's a lot to be said about connecting and I mean I started doing that Hi-Fi Friday thing too because so many people get burned out or they're mad all the time and I'm like just pick something you like that's just for you that's fucking selfish and that yeah. just refills your tank because like helping people all the time isn't going to refill your tank you know in the same way that you you always need it you need to watch some trashy TV you need to play some video games sometimes you know and and make sure that you can do this for the long Hall, and then it's not just a fad where you were pr- tried to be an organizer for six months and got so frustrated you gave up you know yeah,
1: and the way the, the way the nonprofit sector is built is to burn you out and yeah. you know honestly like doing take some of advantage
0: those... of you because you want to do the right thing they make you work extra hours and all that we've heard a lot of that
1: oh man it's it's yeah it's you know it's beautiful work because of like you know you meet some great souls along the way but it, like t- taking that time to be selfish actually feeds the movement like you actually show up with without with less cynicism, right? Like Yeah. I mean, I I'm getting paid to do it, not show up to, like fuck this meeting. You know what I'm saying? Or it's like <laughs> right. it's like right. if I would have only worked 37 hours last week, I wouldn't be showing up to fuck this hearing or fuck this committee meeting. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. yeah. I like dude, yeah, I mean, you know you you yourself clearly enjoy getting riled up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's just who we are, right? Yeah. But yeah. I mean there's obviously like an ebb and flow and a balance we all need and shit, man. We have kid how old is your you have a daughter? Seven. Yep. She's seven. Yeah. You know, I've got eleven and then five. And uh, you know, probably to them, they're like, no, dad, daddy's daddy, daddy's off the chain. But it's like, yo, this is just a part of me. Um, and the the I remind them that the the whatever is like off the chain or like super, super fired up about me. Um just get if you're gonna get caught up in that in terms of me as an influence, just be caught up in the parts that are truth. Obviously I'm trying for these for all these things I'm living to be truths. Yeah. Um personal truths or otherwise, but just I I tell them to focus on like what's assessing for themselves like what feels true. And then when they feel like they might want to be influenced by me and kind of be like me in any way, does it feel true to who you are? If it doesn't, it's okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah. shit, man. This yeah. This parenting in a pandemic shit it's wild
0: uh so i I want to make one more comment we can go into that but uh in in regards to your funding the arts thing uh me and nick have had this conversation on about means tv where i'm like we need to get we need to have you know up the amount of black creators that we have on here right and uh you know we're trying to be cognizant of it but it is such a challenge because they, you know, you don't get access to those networks and there isn't money to be made. Like it, it, we're at the, means is at the point where we need stuff that's done. We don't we can't. There's not a lot of money to inject into somebody to try to, you know, develop them. Oh, the way like that you're trying to get
1: happened. in the zine. You're trying to get stuff in the zine and you're trying to get well, stuff no, like mean, that's done. I'm, Right. No,
0: I mean, for like means TV, like, like a finished documentary, All like right. there's pro there's brilliant people that want to make movies right. that haven't made one before. And you, it's hard to take a $10,000 chance on somebody, oh. but it's also t- black creators are harder to find because there isn't that access to that network and to, to pull people up or like, you know, the way that, uh, you know, and, and it does help communities because my wife was able to support me while I did my thing. Yeah. And now, like, Brian's family members are getting paid. And, like, it's right. been a, it's risen, it's all of our boats have, have uh, risen because of right. the art, because art has been funded in our lives. So, yeah, uh, it, it's a challenging.
1: So you're trying to look, you're trying to look to just acquire finished pieces. From Black creators, for the yeah, right now that's where we're at, and I'll I'd love to get an email conversation started. Yeah, we will. Uh, I can hook you that. up, man, because I've only like I said, I got the I got the Cartenquin uh, Diverse Voices and Docs uh, Fellowship out of Chicago this year. So it's not not only my cohort, but just folks I've been introduced to who've been making things in the documentary world, short pieces, longer pieces, uh-huh. all over the country. Uh, and i and I have another cohort I'm in because Sundance um, finance the same documentary I'm currently making. So I'm just getting access to these artists that I'm so inspired by yeah. who've made a bunch of stuff already, who are, who are, uh, all of them. Yeah. All of them are black, brown, indigenous. And, um, yeah, let's definitely start a conversation there because I got friends who just are machines. I, I'm like, how do I don't even know how you do I don't even know how you, even friends here in Minneapolis, like, uh, Eg Bailey and Shay Case, they're they're a husband wife couple with multiple kids, and they're machines. And I'm yeah. like, I don't even aspire. You know what? I'm not even going to pretend to aspire to be that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, kids in quarantine. Uh, are you going back to school? What's this, what's that like? Absolutely not. You're not. You don't. You, that's
1: your choice or the school's choice. It's my fucking choice. I yeah, think they're okay. going to announce here, uh, either today or tomorrow or whatever. Um, fuck that. You know our governor is actually an educator, um, so you know maybe he'll make some sense here when he comes out with whatever announcement. But I mean, shit, last week it, it he dragged his feet for almost two weeks to make the mask mandate, which he finally yeah. made last week. But he dragged his feet because the fucking Republicans were on his ass. I'm like, fuck They're them. All all hedging their
0: bets on that right now. They're all like, "Uh, well, Trump could pull this off and I don't want to make the
1: anti-maskers mad, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a bipartisan, bipartisan uh, conversations that go around. And actually my friend who's like a very brilliant um, lawyer kind of breaks down some of this like uh, perspective on executive orders, um, not just locally, but just presidentially where Obama like, did a shitload of executive orders. Now, most of them, if not... You know, most of them were great, right? Yeah. They were were for, you know, marginalized communities, working class, what have you. But it set up this precedent of... a A lot of those executive orders were not constitutional, you know? Right, right. And it set up Trump to just go nuts. Like, it set up a precedent for Trump to say, look, they did. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet with how many executive orders I put out. So there is this, like... I don't have any answers, but I wonder what that conversation looks like uh if we continue it to talk about uh why beyond um why beyond surface and um you know pup you know press or whatever media recognition of why bipartisanism is important not just to pass certain legislation but just why it's important not to go down perhaps the slippery slope of executive orders, but I'm like we're talking about masks. Get these, yeah. like this. Oh, do it, do these. These people who don't. Oh my god, like. So I mean, should we? I mean, should we kill pedophiles and people who don't wear masks? I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like I, it's like.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I just do want to. I just picture like doing like the Steven Seagal neck break, where just like <laughs> you're just like, all right, that problem's done.
1: Yo, because like <laughs> they said this thing is gonna weed out the earth or clean cleanse the earth, right? The pandemic. It's oh, like, if, yeah. if this pandemic supposed to cleanse the earth, why aren't the right people dying? You know? It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's going don't on? Don't take my man? grandma. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah no I, school, man. No school. And my kids are in, one's in French immersion, the other one's in Spanish immersion. Oof. So I'm sitting here like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, you're going to have to try to find someone
0: to, like, uh, jump on Zoom, talk French and with your kid. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh I mean I like I said man we're we're working class people we're not honestly like yeah if I had a little bit of money I'd like host an exchange student yeah to live in my fucking house so the kids have access to that right yeah. um and I don't you know I don't think it costs like a fee to do that but it you you're if you're hosting an exchange student you got to provide all their food Sure. sure. And I got to just fucking struggle to provide food for me and my kids (laughs) because I haven't had a fucking job since February. Right. Um, Right. And it's like, shit, man. Um, Are your kids driving you crazy? Huh? They're driving you crazy.
0: (sighs) Mine's been good. Mine's been surprisingly like chill, not really afraid. She's just kind of like she's annoyed. Uh, She has Facebook Messenger for kids. So yeah. she can actually call her friends. We have like an old cell
1: phone that was left over. Yeah. And uh I don't think under ten I think most parents under ten, kids under ten, they're just the same level of annoying. But uh I, yeah, just the, Dad, I, I look I feel at this, dad
0: look at this. Parents
1: with teenagers, I don't know how they're doing it right now. Cause mine is eleven and she's a little piece of shit, man. And yeah. uh and I love her to death, but wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, and so I don't know, like really all you can do is You can love them. I try to remind myself, like, love them, rub culture into them over time. And it's like, it's all about what you expose them to. Because as soon as they leave that house, you got zero control. And I try to remind myself of that, you know? Yeah. But it's all right. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we, uh, sh- we have some kids, some friends of ours that she sees pretty regularly. So they're like brothers and sisters now, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, it's good to make that kind of thing happen, uh, you know, out of something so horrible like the quarantine. Yeah. Uh, but she's also been playing video games a lot more, which I was excited about because I could never get her to play fucking video games with me. Mm-hmm. And now she's really into Mario Kart.
1: And, uh, so we get to play that a lot more. Definitely uh, check out when you can. There's like a, a youth, uh, like age four to 11 activity, uh, like a virtual camp called Camp uh-huh. Kinda, K-I-N-D-A. Okay. And I just started like checking that out. While I signed up and then they emailed me like an activity once a day. And you cool. don't have to like do them every day, but you just have this archive of if you're like bored or need to break up certain routines. These are activities that like stimulate their brains. A lot of them ask you to go outdoors. Um, and I, and I still have to like be better at reminding myself to check out that activity to actually do it. Cause sometimes I'll just read it like, oh, that seems cool, but yeah, eh, I want to lay down for 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Some of that stuff
0: too, with the kids where you're like, it seems like you're just so annoyed. You don't want to do it. You feel like you're missing out on cleaning the house or finishing a project. And then you're like, that was 18 minutes. Like that—that that really wasn't shit. Like I really nothing. should be able to
1: give 18 minutes to my kid. You well, know. Also, if it's three hours, actually, when the three hours is over, you'll be happy. It's just imagining that during that three hours, yes. of something that you maybe haven't done before. Because like I co-parent, so we, you know, we have 50 uh, 50. It's not like a legal cussy thing. We just do it because we're we're mature cool enough each other? Yeah, and and so we we each average three and a half days a week. And so three hours when I like got them for a four day chunk, I should probably opt for that more often than I do, to make three hours of the day go by, so I get closer to getting rid of these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And and everyone wins because they learn and it's something different. And it's uh, I mean I bought them skateboards, basketballs, tennis rackets this summer. Yeah. uh, And we try to just go do the gauntlet when it's not too hot, and uh, that that helps too. And let me, because I'm just not, what, what, I don't know if there's a definition, but I, I'm a reluctant parent, man. I admit it. Like, I, I, you know, I have my, I have my whatever, what they, what the kids will consider superpowers when it comes to things I do well, right? Yeah. But yeah. I know that I'm very flawed as a parent in terms of my parenting skills that, uh, in ways that the mother of my kids has, has uh, so many more attributes. Um, and skills you know yeah and even though like she and i know each other and disagree plenty uh thank goodness there's that balance as far as raising these these uh these kids but man i i got a lot of work to do and so it's it's a like a double challenge this pandemic on how to really show up in a way that because there's so much uncertainty of how these kids are going to be infected psychologically it's like come yeah. on man just step your game up in any little way like i have to just you know i just have to go to battle with my like with my shortcomings you know Yeah i mean you just it's uh
0: it's like you know giving it a little extra effort you know when you're like just want to give up or yeah like the, the all day long dad 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 she just hounds me to death with that all day long look at this look at that and then it's uh it's real easy to get frustrated and i also am like i mean you you can have a spoonful of peanut butter if you want a snack like i'm not i don't really like get into like making all the cutesy stuff as much as i'd like to i'd right. i'd love to get like a triscuit cracker out with like a herb cheese blend and cucumbers and <laughs> yeah. carrots and shit for him but like a scoop spoonful of peanut butter sometimes is what you're gonna get that's that's what you got to eat and yeah. uh but they, I don't know. I, I also have like grown. It's good to have the, I think it was. I think I played myself a little bit, like, the thing is she was so magical and special and pre- precious, like, early on. And now, like you said, like, she's getting to the asshole phase where, like, mm-hmm. she just do stuff to be mean or, like, test the boundaries of lying and stuff. And you're just like, man, all right. You, now, you, you know, like, there's some shit I don't like about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, you fucking annoy me. <laughs> this shit annoys me when you do it,
1: you yeah, know? You, you really have to fill up – you really have to let them fill up your cup – of love and energy when they are being very loving toward you. Yeah. Um and say like, okay, if she's only going to be loving toward me for 5 minutes today, I'm going to pretend that's 5 weeks, right? And then yeah, when they're sleeping, god, that's the best time to have children. Cuz you get to just <laughs> stare at them and say, "Wow, you you are precious. You're probably dreaming. And come on, man, this is this is awesome. Having you is awesome." And then try to take that and and have that attitude like like it's uh like it's a power, like it's a power. Say you're a video game player and you got this energy, and just hopefully it lasts as long as it, as you can the next day when you're just witnessing yeah. them so peaceful and sleeping. Cause man, this shit is so I just love parents who look, man, you can tell me how much you love your kid, you can tell me what you love about your kid. You can tell me how much you love being a parent, but if all of that isn't followed by a butt, I don't fucking trust you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I I also, I think my one of my challenges really is uh, not to be mad at her for how easy her life is, which is like just the classic <laughs> parent thing. But it came so easy. It just was so easy for me. Like when you're talking about looking at her asleep, I'm like... She's just thinking about how good Christmas was. She gets to wake up. Me me and her mom are both there. Mm-hmm. Like if she we listen to everything she says, we take into account like we're always actively listening and paying attention and she never just gets like brushed off or like thrown in a fucking pile of kids, you know, somewhere else. Like she's <laughs> a princess. She's a true fucking princess and I'm doing it to her cuz mm. I love her, but it's like I'm I I'm also trying not to resent her over it, you know. Yeah, man, it's 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 hard, it's hard man. It's you want to make it easy, but like you know, and it's like just figure it out. I don't know, and then you're like, I fine, I'll do it for you, and it's like that's not helping you though. Do your kids
1: ever at any moment two things? They ever think you're rich, and like sometimes, like yeah, sometimes my oldest will be like, you got money, or she'll she'll watch me counting like money that I'm about to go fucking deposit in the bank to pay bills. She'll yeah, be like you got plenty of money. Let's go, let's go eat. Let's go to the restaurant. It's like. Uh, Uh, no, 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 no. yeah, that's been an important one for
0: me because, like, when I was raised, like my mom, her favorite thing was like, "Brett, goddamn it, I don't have a dime to my name." <laughs> like, anytime I asked for something, that's what she would say, "Brett, goddamn it." So I had this really fucked up relationship with money where I did the same exact thing where you, your daughter just said, which is like, "Shit, we got all this money, let's fucking spend it. We got a dime to our name finally." Let's and spend then it's it like, dime. "Oh no, you got to do car payments. You got to pay those every month and shit." Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but also, I what I did with my daughter was when she started getting into Happy Meals, just like every time she saw McDonald's, let's go get a Happy Meal, I started telling her like how much Happy Meals everything costs. Mm. Like when she would ask for she would be like, I want a new Power Wheels. I'm like, all right, well, that costs – you know, a hundred visits to McDonald's. So if you're willing to give up the next one hundred Happy Meals, probably for the rest of the year, basically, yeah, I can put that aside for the Power Wheels. But that's how much they fucking cost, you know?
1: Yeah, or like, uh, oh, Dad, I'm like, yo, yo, I gotta go fill up the tank. That's like thirty dollars. She's like, what's thirty dollars? I'm like, well, gas right now is two o nine, honey. But the true cost of gas is like $45 a gallon. (laughs) And let me tell you where that other $43 goes to. Women and children being murdered. So, like, if we're going to talk about money, I'm going to, like, drag you into some fucking geopolitical conversation that makes you say, my life's not so bad. And, like, I lived in a village in Africa, and I have pictures of the kids in the village. Yeah. And um, the time I lived there, and anytime my kids try to get a little too uh, entitled I bust out those pictures and every single kid in every picture is smiling. Right. And I'm like, you, do you see that soccer ball they have? That's not even a soccer ball you'd ever recognize. Are you going to tell me we're not all right? We're going to be all right. Now, don't get me wrong. We want, again, I want money so that I can have a fucking uh, exchange student. Yeah. And uh, if we're talking like, yo, I'm, you know, Like I said, I was in prison, so you know, I'm interested in certain abolition uh, conversations that are all encompassing from not just police, not just prisons, but also, like, you know, you're talking ICE, you're talking about missing and murdered indigenous women, like, I'm down for these abolitionist conversations, but uh, I'm still having a hard time finding out who to have those conversations with, and even the anti-capitalist stuff, like, like, I mean, I like, I like goofy t-shirts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna buy those motherfuckers when they, when they target me on Facebook. Fuck. And, and dude, that was out uh, quarantine.
0: Those middle of the night t-shirts have kept me going. I got so many of them. Like Yo, they just come. Like, and I'm like, fuck,
1: why did I buy that? It's like, cause they knew I knew how to get my money. Yeah. Oh, like oh, even my daughter, like she asked, she literally will ask me for something that costs like $3. I'm like, nah, you don't need that. And then I'll hop online, and a T-shirt pops up, and I'll spend forty dollars on a T-shirt in her face. She's <laughs> like, "What the fuck, man? You don't need that." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's like, hey, I'm an anti-capitalist with taste. You know, as my friend, my friend Julia says that, and it's like, it's like, man, yeah, I I I want a pr- a private chef. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I eat like shit. Oh yeah, like especially when my kids aren't here. I had uh
0: one of my big flame ups. I, I owe this person an apology still. I just don't remember the name. But I posted on one of my High Five Fridays, this service that I love called Plate Joy. Mm. And it's like $60 for 6 months of meal planning. Mm. And what they do is they just you put in what you like and don't like. You fill out And they give you a bunch of recipes and then you pick what you want and then you fill out what groceries you already have. And then they put a list out for you. They give you a a grocery list. And I love it because what? it like automates it for because my depression thing is like spoonfuls of peanut butter, cereal, hot dogs. Like I'll just go real down low to the ground on shit <laughs> if I'm sad, and so that's a way to get like avocados in my life again and make smooth. Like it'll give you a chia smoothie recipe that you're like, oh shit, this is good, and you use and it, it. Only took ten minutes, what? and you
1: do it right. Yeah, I do it.
0: Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I'm in and out. I'm in and out because like. Now there is stuff I want to make. So if I want to make my own food, I you don't do ask it. Plate Joy to, 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 to uh, Sp- pick some stuff for me. But like, yeah, snacks and stuff, like snacks and smoothies and breakfast. I'm just like, yeah, I need something new. I'm, I'm always like. I am a hipster in that way, is that like it always has to be new and interesting and different. I'm just addicted to that. So I get real bored of the same breakfast, you know, real quick.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I make excuses for why I eat like shit. Then I found, then I heard in a study like five years ago that black men have a higher propensity towards stress eating. So then I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my ex like, what, 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 what do you want me to do? I, I'm at yeah. risk here. <laughs> Give me a break. <clears throat> Yeah, whereas yeah. like you know, Patrick Bateman said, do oh, give me. I'm late. Give me, I'm a child of divorce." You know, <laughs> but uh, it, it's yeah, it's it's tough, man. Uh, I do want to live longer because like there's some people like Brooks, like Michael Brooks, and some other people that have just died su- suddenly, and uh, whether it's genetic or not. And I'm still like even trying to learn about my family history because I was a uh, I was given up when I was born because I was born in prison. Okay, so I was adopted and I didn't know anything about my lineage. Um, So no, you know, now I'm twice removed from my name, you know, come here as slaves, lost that name. Now given into foster care, lost another name. So I'm trying to find my way back, which I recently Mm -hmm. found family on my father's side and found out all of that, which is part of the documentary I'm making about searching for the mother, searching for my birth mom who had me in prison. Um, that's interesting so you know that 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 movie that documentary is called you don't know my name because essentially uh, it's a love story but it's not the romantic version but i riffed off the alicia Keys song you don't uh-huh. know my name and uh yeah you know we try.
0: yeah yeah it sounds like <laughs> it man well i appreciate it uh and you know uh the, the thing is i agree with you about the living longer is uh i think that as it's I just want to be a pain in the ass, I guess. If, like, if I'm here, um, and I had, I've had some young people that have messaged me about how they don't know what to do and they feel hopeless and all that. And I'm, you know, just trying to tell them that if you give up, you'll feel even worse. Like if you just turn your back on it and just yeah. say, I can't, I can't bother to care anymore. Yeah. It's going to eat you up at night. So figure out how to engage with the world in a way that makes sense and makes it a better place than how, how we, uh, we're brought here, you know, um, but it's still gonna have to take some wild fucking circumstances, and
1: over the next couple of years, yeah, we gonna need a lot. I mean, I don't, fuck, man. Everybody, make sure you vote, yeah, um, because I don't know. Uh, the point is to never give up. Like, th- th- that's what hope is really about. It's not about like a- appearing to be super optimistic. You can yeah. be cynical as all hell, but if you're still fighting, um, I think it's fine, you know. And if people don't like your cynical energy, then go find some people who do. Yeah, so it's like,
0: yeah. yeah, and it's don't go in it to win. You can't go in it to win. That's like uh, not gonna work. Um, you should try your hardest, but yeah, you need to go in. It needs to be the process. Uh, that's it's like I was saying. It was related, kind of, to the uh, eating and exercising and health. Is that like you got to do it? It's painful. And you have to make sure that uh, it makes sense and that it it works and serves you. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to fall apart.
1: Yeah. Um. I just I I do hope that the reason the the reason I get most cynical is because it, it just it, it's obvious that people don't read. You know, and yeah, you know, all of us could read more, obviously. But when I say people don't read, I'm talking about people who haven't put, picked up a book since the '90s. You know, right. Uh, and if you haven't, if you weren't alive in the '90s, there's people who literally haven't read a fucking book for pleasure in their entire life. And I'm worried at that fact. You know what I mean? Back, okay. to the, yeah. back, back to the historical introspection. So we're in, and I'm talking about us, like liberals. We're in these movements. We're trying. We're failing, which is okay, because we're going to fail along the way together. But when we're like failing in a hundred ways, when we could only be failing in 20 ways, simply because we haven't fucking read a book and don't understand abolition or don't understand Sex work, right? Yeah. And,
0: and you, know. you said the foundations. Those those texts fill in a lot of do they they do the the filling in for you? You know, they give you the the lift up and, and your understanding.
1: Yeah. Like can we pass can we pass a social justice cognitive test so we can brag about it like Trump? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then like actually do something. Um yeah. you know, let's not go backwards because that's gonna be harder work to be getting the 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 language right and the rhetoric right and then still and then still having to go backwards to figure out what it really takes when we have momentum because that momentum with a foundation that's what's gonna fucking like defund and and and, you know and, and fuck up ice and all that other shit you know yeah absolutely
0: well i have to go get a run in now that you brought it up so yeah. <laughs> uh thank you for your time i appreciate it i'd love to do this again uh in the future i we didn't get into half the questions that i have based upon the limited information you you just revealed to us so thank you for showing up uh what's what's the best way to support and uh, follow what you do
1: um yeah the best way um yeah we're just we're just a local you know We're just a local group of folks trying to make some good art. Um, But Weapon of Choice Podcast, three words, Weapon of Choice. Uh, Weapon of Choice Podcast has an Instagram. It's on every single feed that you listen to your podcast to. um, Or specialmenuproductions.com is the website there or the Vimeo where you can find some of our video work. And like we've got exciting things uh, coming out. White Tears, the short film. You're not going to want to miss that one. Uh. (laughs) And... uh, Trust me on that one. And so, yeah, man, if, if, usually a lot of things I do, even like because uh, personally making other forms of art, it will be highlighted on my Weapon of Choice Instagram page. So okay. you can keep up with everything I'm doing there. We, we currently have a limited run of COVID-19, I mean COVID-1619 t-shirts. So it's like 400 years ago, first slave ship came here. Racism, racism is a 400-year disease, so we just put 16 in front of the 19. So you can get those uh, covid 16 t-shirts if you go to the Weapon of Choice Instagram page or spe- specialmoneyproductions.com, and I'll mail that to you for free after you pay $29, of course, because I'm giving yeah. proceeds to Restore Justice, which is a formerly incarcerated-led uh, organization in California, and they're dealing with a lot of organizing uh, against injustice in San Quentin prison and other prisons in California. Okay. So uh, definitely uh, check out voices of San Quentin Instagram. That is uplifting all the fuck shit going on. Uh, they, they shipped 121 inmates who were infected with coronavirus to San Quentin who didn't have any cases. And then they dispersed each infected person into different units. And a month later, there were 2000 inmates with coronavirus. That, yeah. That sounds like premeditated murder. It is two hundred guards even have it now, and the numbers is going up every day. So um, definitely, always remember our people who are incarcerated, including our incarcerated pregnant people and women. Um, man, just you know, let's just stay connected. Everybody, you know, if you if, if I'm if you're in touch with Brett, I'll know what's going on because uh, I'm tuning into Street Fight, even the call in shows, you you name it. So. I I appreciate I appreciate you having me on, and like yeah, we'll we'll get together again and talk more. Absolutely, I love it, man. Thank you, and have a good one. Yeah, thanks. I'll see you soon. Peace,
0: peace.